But yeah, so I would say that like when I was on FTJ, like you can really see there's a very, very personal passion and personal mission from Stefan and the other people to to better women's sports and give us the opportunities and allow us to be as professional as possible. And you really, really feel that when you're on that team. G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Swift, episode 74. Welcome back and hello to everyone who jumped on board from the previous episode, 73, with Luke Plapp. I know there was many, many new listeners, so um, yeah, good to have you here on the Press Room Podcast. And uh, if you haven't already, make sure, guys, that you're following the Instagram page, the Press Room Podcast, and also... Get on Spotify, Apple, Google, and leave a rating or review. I think Spotify, you can do the star at the tops, just under the little picture. Or on uh, Apple, you can click follow and also leave a review at the bottom. That does um, help the podcast quite a bit. So if you're wondering how you can support, that is one of the best ways. But Legends, episode 74, we have Brody Chapman. An OG, another OG guest of the podcast. She's been on briefly here and there. Little snippets at World Championships, a little uh, short interview at TDU, um, and when we were going down the elevator uh, at the Hilton in Adelaide um, after our 15 minutes, Brody had a lot to do. She had so much stuff going, uh, naturally as you would, being the national champ. Um, and she goes, hey, we only had 15 minutes, but... Let's do one, a bigger one in the in the later in the season. I said 100%. I was already thinking about it. So that's just what we did. And I tell you what, Legends, this episode really has it all, um, particularly if you are a young female cyclist. Uh, there's a lot of motivation and um, inspiration within this uh, episode for young upcoming female cyclists. Um, and also, geez, I tell you what, Brody is a bit of a, I don't know, bit of a uh, a guru. She had a lot of wisdom wisdom in this episode from her own experiences and and some uh, things that she's read from uh, from her book. She's an avid reader, and I reckon a lot of this will apply to you guys at home. So you're gonna love this. We talk about a whole host of topics. Okay, we chat about uh, sort of her recovery from her her big crash at Gent Wevelgem, her concussion, coming back from COVID, had a rough start of the year, similar to Plappy a little bit after winning the national champs and having a good TDU. Um, so we chat about that and how you sort of get back into the the swing of things and how to listen to your body. You know, we've all had those injuries, those illnesses. They all come at the worst times, and all you want to do is train or ride, but you need to listen to your body. And and Brody has some great advice about that. Also talk about uh, you know getting your mojo back when uh, going descending and cornering when maybe you've crashed or slid out before, and you kind of get the jitters a little bit. We talk about how to overcome that vegetarian and vegan uh, food within cycling um, and what it's like being a, a vegan in the as a professional cyclist. Um, I mean, a whole host of things. Tour de France chat as well. It really is quite a mixed bag and it's an absolute ripper. And of course, all the fan questions, which draw out some real uh, interesting questions and answers actually. Shout out to everyone uh, who jumped on board and also um, some of Brody's ex-housemates were keen to stitch her up with a few questions that were pretty funny. So, um, yeah, guys, you're going to love this one. And shout out to Brody Chapman. She is an absolute legend. And, um, yeah, any young uh, female cyclists out there, feel free to reach out to Brody on Instagram um, if you have any questions about uh, maybe your career, where you want it to go, or any advice, and she will be happy to uh, answer those questions. So, um, legends, 
This is so good. Can't wait for you guys to get into this episode. Get on the Ergometer. Get on Zwift. Won my last race. Don't want to plug it, but I did. And uh, I hope you guys do too. So this is it. Episode 74. It's Brody Chapman, the national champ. I'll see you on the other side. So yeah, um, the question idea has been cool. I was just reading through them with Dan and I like that some of them are like serious cycling questions and others are not, which mm-hmm. makes me happy because, you know, you spend a lot of time answering, answering serious cycling questions. So <laughs> I look forward point. to hearing some of some of the other ones and thinking of my answers. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point of this podcast is to eliminate yeah. the, uh, the boring cycling questions. But yeah, I was just looking at some uh-huh. of them as they came through before it was making me laugh. Um, I said to <laughs> you got a couple of good stitch-ups. Um, so, are you feeling better? Because you're sick, eh? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling better than I was, but yeah, it's pretty much been a to start off on a shit note. Been a long year of um, being sick and then getting better than being sick again. Pretty much since I had COVID, there's like a before and after, and after. Um, it just seems like I've struggle to get back on top of it even if I've done tick every other box you know nutrition sleep home life recovery training everything I mean I've been through some trial and error in my career and you know what can really make your immune system suffer but after I had COVID in February and then I also uh yeah had a crash and broke my sacrum and got a concussion uh that seemed okay but yeah it's just been a bit of a battle so seems like it's not something that's um it's not super uncommon for athletes after having COVID. And it's the second time I had COVID. And the first time I was actually pretty good. Like I had a couple yeah. of days off and a bit of an off feeling for a bit, but you know, then I could get back into the season pretty quickly. Um, whereas this time around, yeah, I mean, I got it so bad. Like I was so unwell. I, I thought I was going to be a COVID statistic, probably a oh. bit dramatic. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. anyway, I was like, all right, you know, you, you do all the things. You don't rush back into it. You take as many days off as you need. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so anyway, that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm just trying to work through it with my coach and the team, the medical team. But, I mean, nothing's overtly wrong. It's just like, yeah, your immune system's just hypersensitive. And there's a lot of things we still don't know about the effects of COVID. And I guess you could call it, like, long COVID or post-viral fatigue or, like, yeah, who knows. No one, immune knows, system yeah. or, like, no one really knows and yeah <laughs> all of like colds and and all the other diseases in the world they've been going around for ages so there's been studies done on them and all different yeah so all the stuff that happens afterwards i mean this is it this is we're all the yeah cases now eh? so um it'll be really and, and it's interesting like luckily i have a really good you know i have some of the top sports scientists and sports medicine people in the world at my disposal um so yeah i feel like i'm in safe hands and um as in just like kind of figuring out what to do next but uh actually at the moment the thing that you really have to do is just like the old um age-old tactic of just rest (laughs) who knew rest and wait that can be difficult too especially when you love being active right Mm -hmm. yeah yep yep it's it's that's it so but you know that's, mm-hmm. It is part of it, and I think I'm in a pretty good mental space uh, where, you know, if your home life is good and your 
you're doing the kind of basic normal human life things well um and then you know it's it's not contributing to making my condition worse like if you had a really stressful situation or if I didn't have job security or if I felt like I had something to prove really quickly so um yeah and as an athlete like you do you literally just have to keep on keeping on you're like this sucks and there's no hiding that I am like sadder than normal because I'm not able to do what I I love to do in the capacity I want to like even um you know there's always these extra things you want to search for you want to step a level up every year you want to you know engage in those altitude camps and like heat training and just like pushing the limits with training and get but like I can't like I'm just trying to get the basics right now like I need to do a few rides and do it like just do the basics and it's frustrating because you want to yeah you want to always be pushing the envelope but um yeah you just have to wait until your body says yes and it's saying no right now so yeah yeah you have to you have to like reckon with yourself and have those days where you're like all my goals and all this and your goals just change and shift and adapt so constantly anyway in cycling um a lot of the time um so yeah it's just a bit less tangible this this uh, setback yes yeah it is difficult as i reckon it's one of the hardest parts is also just like you know like you said listen to your body body says no right now but like your mind's always saying oh yes you know like that's yeah the hardest thing right yeah example like uh, uh, this is um a comical comparison but i've been <laughs> racing cyclocross at the moment giving oh, it right a- on. and uh, it's it's good because you know like um you, you can spend a lot of time cycling and take up a lot of time yeah. cyclocross you can just turn up on the weekend race for an hour and then you can go home you know you still get yeah 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 you have a good time but i can't help myself i have to have a crack at hopping the barriers and the first time wasn't successful. And I thought, that's fine. I was close. So I was like, it's just about the timing. I could definitely get the height, but it's the timing. So I went back on Sunday, yes, yesterday, and um, I lost again. So it's 2 0 to the barriers, but I fell like on the bars and I hurt my ribs. Oh. And now, yeah, they're proper sore. You know, poor me. But um, all I want to do now is like go and practice. But I, definitely yeah tough, you know like it's just you just gotta yeah. hold oh it's I guess it is it's, no it's true i understand that like it's not that debilitating where you're like you know if you are bedridden or you have like proper illness or broken bones you're not like i want to go train you're like i'm yeah. i need to stop but if it's something that's like in the middle where you're like yeah i can kind of push yeah. it or like ribs i can do the rest of my life okay like to be honest having sore ribs or broken ribs is horrible like laughing and sneezing sucks so i feel for you yeah, there um yeah <laughs> but yeah I, I understand what you mean you're just like you're kind of more motivated to do it but then you have to have that like that buffer of patience first yeah. and then you know that motivation is not going to go away it's still simmering there in the background but one thing that i've taken on over many years of like injuries and illness or whatever like every honestly every athlete who gets this far through has experienced it because if they if they experienced it and gave up, well, they're no longer an athlete. Like they're no longer a professional athlete, let's yeah. say, or doing or doing the sport that they want to do. So you're kind of just like, all right, I need to treat my recovery or my rehab or whatever you're doing with the same kind of passion, focus and dedication as I treat my craft, so my training. And so actually, you know who told me that? It was actually Kate Perry. 
um, oh. from Melbourne. She, yeah, she actually said like, I think I had some injury a few years ago and she was like, you know, treat your rehab the same as you would treat your training, like with that kind of focus and care and, you know, um, prioritize it like you do the training. And I was like, that was a really, really good insight because it's true. You can do that. You're like, what do I need right now to do this? You can't ignore it. You can't ignore your body. You can't try and trick it or hack it or like, I mean, you can with a lot of drugs, but that's like obviously not ideal in life or sport. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's fine when you're in the hospital and on the morphine drip, but outside of that, like uh, yeah. you, that, <laughs> even that only lasts. <laughs> Once the morphine wears off, you're like, oh yeah, it really does hurt. A so, short time. You know. <laughs> yeah, a short time. Yeah. yeah, that's that's good advice. I'm sure everyone listening has had one of those moments like that where you're sick or you're injured and you just want Thanks, to get KP. That. Oh, yeah, <laughs> KP legend. So listen to KP's uh, words of wisdom. And um, and listen to her uh, her Spotify playlist too. It's also dialed. It? So. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of Spotify chat actually recently. Um, Kel and, and Clappy <laughs> nice. were sharing their Spotify tunes recently. Oh. Revs them up on the track. Nice. And it was like, so when they're at the Olympics warming up for the TP, you know, world champs, they're listening. It's like Miley Cyrus. It's, you know, it's classics. <laughs> that's what G, that's what's G and these guys are. So good to know. Good, yeah, to, good know. to know. Do you, what's, what's your sort of Spotify? Uh, like, do you have, do you make playlists or do you just go through? Yeah, like, I do. Okay. I have like liked songs, so they're a bit random. Oh, yeah. Um, but like I would say my musical taste is like so very depending on my mood. Oh. Um, like I listen to a lot of Kendrick Lamar. I like listening to Eminem. Mm. I want to watch Eight Mile again, but Dan's not on board with it. I'm like, come on, greatest movie. Um <laughs> I listen obviously like every person in the world probably listening to Fred again sets, um, just because they're so good for a G up. Yep. And yeah, like Rufus the Soul. I don't know. I like everything. I was just like recently in a bit of a like early 2000s rock nostalgia phase. Like the other night, we were listening to like Incubus and um, <laughs> Goo Goo Dolls and stuff and just like belting it out. And I was like, this is it. This is yeah, the best shit. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like, at the time, I don't know. I think it's just because it's nostalgic. I don't know if at the time I was super into it. But now when you hear tracks from back in your youth, you're like, oh, yeah, take me back. But that's what our parents used to do, right? They'd be like yeah. at a party and listening to 80s music and you're like, what is this? Yeah. And then now I'm like, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. We have those moments. I wonder what everyone's like song is, you know. But I actually still like yeah. some of those old 80s songs. Like you hear like Dragon come on and Eagle Rock and those sort of things. You can, especially if it's at a yeah. wedding or something, you know, you know it's someone's for song sure. at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as it for comes sure, on. For sure, for sure. Yeah. My 80s revisit lately was like listening to Sade just that night to like chill out a bit. So we'll have some ballads as well and yeah, or everything. So anyway, but yeah, it's, I think I don't always train with music. Sometimes I train with podcasts um, if I'm just doing endurance rides. But like if I'm about to do like some intervals, um, sometimes I train without music because I want to like, you know, you need to kind of confront what you're going through. And other times I'm just like, I don't want to hear myself breathe or I don't want to hear my legs hurt. So I will just put in like like random playlist. Ministry of Sound 2008, take me back to year 12. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's do this. <laughs> um, you know that guy, um, oh, God, I should, oh, Ned Brockman. Um, that yeah. dude that ran across the nutcase. Um, and uh, yeah. he's, he's done some cool, some very interesting stuff. But he said on some of the harder runs, uh, that he was doing, he was doing like a marathon a day, pretty much. 
And um, yeah, he he would not listen to music until he got through like the first twenty k's. So that was like his reward, you know. He'd battle the demons at the start, which I guess everyone, if anyone's only running, the hardest part is often just that first sort of half an hour. If you're doing a long run, I mean that's a pretty long run. Um, but yeah, he wouldn't. Yeah, just, for real. Really got um, yeah, got to the end. So that's a good tactic. I mean, I mean, especially what he was going to, you'd have to come up with all sorts of ways to like, yeah, keep yourself going. And I think for me, if I'm doing a, a long ride, I'd often start off with like podcasts and kind of in the middle, I go towards music. And then at the end, I'm actually like, you know what? I'm done. I'm just going to ride home. And yeah. I'm, like once the session's done, I'm kind of like, yeah, all right, let's just, mm. let's just enjoy where we're at now. But yeah, it, it depends on the day. I think mm. it's definitely beneficial. I don't think you're any more pure or hard if you don't listen to music. Like at the end of the day, if you're, Stimulating those muscle fibers in the way they got to be stimulated. Then, well, hey, whatever gets you there. Hey, whatever gets the fibers going. If any, yeah, <laughs> you know the muscle fibers. So like are, true a sports thing. scientist, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the fibers though, right? Like when you get right into them, they mm. it's a weird system. It's a very weird. They're fibrous. Yeah, yeah they, well, yeah, they are. <laughs> um. Okay. Well. I don't want to go back to the injury stuff. I do want to touch on the concussion later, but let's go into some yeah. some nice, lighthearted chat um, about Yay. we love food, right? Now, yeah. are you vegetarian? Are you vegan? Or I'm vegan. Vegan. Okay. Um, I wondered, is there many other vegan people in your team? Uh, no, not at all. One of my team, uh, Lizzie Dagnan's a vegetarian. She's been a lot of vegetarian for a long time. Um, I yeah. believe Ellen Van Dyke is, but I actually haven't like trained with her or raced with her because she's yeah. pregnant. Uh-huh. Um, no, I know one other vegan in the peloton, Anna Henderson, but I, I don't know. I'm not really. Um, I keep my vegan cult activities outside of the peloton. So, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I know. I. There was more because, yeah, um, you know, it's not like you go telling everyone, like that's the most annoying thing ever. <laughs> you, know, you know what it is? It's sh- people always say you're vegan. Like, oh, you're a vegan, right? You know, they always tell you yeah. usually how it goes. It's true. Yeah. And they question you. <laughs> yeah. And then they try to ca- catch you out. Like, are you eating speculosis? Is that um, vegan? And you're like, it is my friend. I'm telling you. It gets, um, it yeah, gets I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm really happy to have the conversation with people because it's obviously a cause I believe so strongly in. I have been, uh, yeah, a vegan, you know, since I was in high school, since I was 17. Wow. And the, so, yeah, so it's not like a, a dietary phase I'm going through. Yeah. Um, I solely chose to eliminate animal products from my diet and mostly from my, like, daily use as well. When I found out uh, just about like uh, the cruelty in animal farming, yeah. and then also as I later learned a lot more about the environmental impact. Mm-hmm. And for me, as somebody who's like in a lives in a land of abundance and options, um, I didn't think it was going to be any skin off my back to just eliminate, like to just have my part in not contributing to that. Like I couldn't morally um, like line it up, and I. Yeah, like I've obviously learned a lot about nutrition over the years and stuff, but I think if I had done it as a diet and like, yeah, like everybody out there, I've tried different diets for whatever reasons, like, ah, oh, less fat, more carbs, no fats, white carbs are bad, white carbs are good, eat less fruit, eat more fruit. 
like all that kind of stuff, but it never lasts. Like, but for me, eating vegan to the best of my ability has never been hard. And to be honest, my whole life, I never really ate red meat anyway, just because I never liked the taste of it. And I was vegetarian before I was vegan, just purely out of taste preference. So it wasn't a very difficult transition for me, for me personally at all. Um, Also, you know, growing up with parents who we, we ate a lot of vegetarian anyway, from a lot of different cultures. If you live in Australia, um, you have access to so many different cultural, different cultures, cuisines, which a large majority of like, you know, Asian food, Middle Eastern food, Lebanese food, Ethiopian food, like so much of it is, is vegan. So I never found it hard at all. Like, um, but I'm more than happy to answer questions about it because people are oftentimes just curious, like Mm. what, how, like I can't, they can't picture outside of what they know. And also, um, you know, I obviously do have those conversations like, yeah, but like you step on bugs when you walk outside or like you sat on a leather seat and I'm like, are you the vegan police or me? Because I'm not here to prove a point. I'm literally trying to do less harm is probably the best way to put my uh, moral position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, My my fiance is vegan and I'm vegetarian. And um, right on. actually, when I came, I actually started being vegetarian outside when I finished uni because um, uh, I was studying nutrition now. And when I learned mm. about nutrition and you know everything that's involved, I was like, oh, well, there's, you know, opened my eyes quite a bit uh, doing that at uni. But the reason why I brought it up, because I wanted to know um, what's your favorite meal to make when you're at home and to you might have a couple right just maybe the first that comes to mind but i want to know maybe like after you've had one of those really nice days where say you've just nailed a nice training session easy or hard for a solid day so you know you're gonna have to get something you know decent in 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 the night what would you if you you're done if your cupboard's full what would you like to be making at the end of a sort of a nice positive day on the bicycle a big sandwich really just like Okay. Good bread. But what's good bread? Like good bread is like, you know, sourdough or like German oh, yeah. bread or something that's like fresh and chewy. Oh, yeah. And thick. Um, oh. In summer, definitely a sandwich. And then just I put like everything on it. Like normally I fry some tempeh or tofu and like they have mm. heaps of different flavors mm. of that here. You know, like hummus, tomato, cucumber, beetroot, lettuce, sprouts, everything, pickles. Just layer it up till it's like massive. And then just smash a big sandwich, probably. It's also because it's quite quick in that sense. Like, and then at night, I really like cooking. Uh, yeah. I've been I think cooking a big curry, like, never goes astray. Just like, we found this one little shop in Girona that has like actual good, like, Asian supermarket goods. So, was able to find, yeah, no shortage in Australia, but a good curry. Um, if I'm going out, then a good fur, like a good Vietnamese fur, like that is just what I want after a hard mm. day of training. So, yeah, that sounds pretty Every, good. Everything, yeah, yeah, sandwich. Good. Like it sounds basic, but then people are like, "Oh, you're a vegan? How do you eat bread?" I'm like, "Which wow. animal does bread come from?" Enlighten me, because <laughs> yeah, it, last time I checked, gluten wasn't factory farmed, so I'm yeah. I'm totally fine eating gluten. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Are you, cutting, are you cutting the bread in half? Uh, I actually like... usually ask, ask for it um, to be like cortado gordo, so like cut fat here. So then I get 
then you have to take the middle out. But sometimes you just got to eat two sandwiches if the bread is small on the end. Mm, you know, okay. it's the, the struggles of, of bakeries. There's <laughs> so yeah, many like, yeah. options for that sort of stuff here in Australia. Like I remember mm. like maybe eight or nine years ago, the Coles and the Woolworths, like, you know, the aisle for all this stuff was you might, you kind of got the end of one aisle and then, yeah, like, you know, now it's kind of, there's kind of like two aisles now. They're kind of, you've got the whole aisle and, you know, they've got their own sign. So it's like, it's gotten a lot better. But I wondered in Europe, is it, is it similar? Is there, do the supermarkets have like sections off for, for vegetarian and like vegan options and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, they have like, you know, like a bio section, like organic section that has pretty much everything oh, yeah. that, specific vegan products i guess it's the same in australia if you want like specific vegan products there's a section but over the years i've learned that actually the whole supermarket pretty much short of the meat and dairy section is full of vegan products if you want to say like yeah there's so many just day-to-day things that people don't realize are free of animal products um there's a really good instagram page i follow it's just like literally called sydney vegan guide and they always have like updates of stuff you can get in coles and woolies which yeah But in Europe, it's pretty good. By by Europe, I mean like in some countries, um, like in Germany, when I lived there in 2012, it was super easy to be vegan. They have a lot of like big organic shops. Um, And I would say living in Catalonia, it's really accessible. Like Barcelona and Girona have a lot of eating out options too. Some parts of like, yeah, France and other parts of Spain are a lot more difficult. but any supermarket, like I'm literally happy to eat rice, beans and tofu or like yeah. you you can make anything and quite an easy vegan meal out of very few ingredients from any supermarket really. So, yeah. um, you know, you can more or less get oat milk or soy milk everywhere mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at this point. Like, yeah, that being said, I've mostly only traveled within Europe, like some of Asia and Australia. So they're all pretty abundant cultures. Um when it comes to accessibility and options. So, yeah, I don't know what it would be like in other countries. But my good friend Ali Denham has basically travelled the entire world backpacking as a vegan. So he's yeah. he's going all right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Okay. And what about dessert? What's a good dessert option? But, uh, I'm actually a huge hot chocolate fan, even in summer. Oh. <laughs> I know, like, or chocolate in general. Um yeah. Yeah, like here I go out for gelato quite a lot and they always have like vegan options. They have obviously the sorbets and they also have other ones like coconut or dark chocolate, sometimes almond milk gelato, which you can get. So that's probably my dessert go-to, hot chocolate or like in summer gelato. Again, Mm. they're like not super unique, but they're just super available and delicious. (laughs) You can't go wrong with ice cream and and, or gelato. No. But we were jumped on the... um the, I don't know if it's a Melbourne thing or a mm. East Coast thing, but we didn't have, like, have you heard of Yochi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have I, heard of it. It's like a yogurt gonna, thing, right? Yeah, it's the, it's the frozen yogurt, but it must be yeah. a massive thing in uh, in Melbourne. or uh, I don't know. I've just seen stuff on TikTok about it, but they've now got one in Perth, and it happens to be, like, literally Ooh. 500 metres away from our house. And um, we thought, righto, let's go check it out because it's always got a line, like a line out of the store. and there's obviously a line in the store as well and um yeah you got all your toppings and that sort of shit and i've been to a frozen yogurt place i made myself ill at a frozen yogurt place and it was great and I thought, <laughs> you know <laughs> i thought yeah how is this place going to be any better 
and because um, it was good. And, you know, they had vegan flavours, they had normal flavours, whatever. Yeah, and, um, they always have a vegan option. Yeah, they have. I think they had a coconut, a vanilla, and a chocolate. Megan was going nuts in there. They were oh, yeah. pretty crazy too. And they actually had, you know, like that cookie dough you can, like, add. There's, like, a cookie dough. Yeah. They actually had a vegan yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was pillaged. Oh. It was get and, out. That sounds ridiculously good. Ooh, it was good. So Yochi, big tick from me, but it is a hectic dessert. So I'm like, we went on the 29th of June, and I said, oh, mm. that was a pretty decent send. I said, well, let's go to Yochi once <laughs> every quarter. And so obviously, end of financial year was the 30th. So the next day, I was like, well, it's a new quarter. So let's we're going to go back. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I so those things that are that Moorish. I mean, I'd probably be in trouble if there was a Yochi here, um, but I'm going to now look for one, see if there's one in Barcelona. There is like frozen yogurt places here, but yeah, yeah, I always just go back to the same gelato place. But man, I mean, if I, I'm sure if I, if you smashed Yochi every day, you'd end up with clinical obesity. Um, but you know, so. worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I think you would. I mean, there's all sorts of frozen yogurt shop, Yochi. I'm just having a look at their Instagram, see if there's like a Yochi Barcelona. Um, but anyway, shout out Yochi and it's expensive. It's like a hundred. It's no, what is it? It's four dollars per hundred grams. And um, I thought you were gonna say it's like a hundred dollars. I was like, no. are you like eating gold, gold encrusted <laughs> well, vegan cookie dough? Because I mean, damn. actually, yeah. speaking of spending hundreds of dollars on on food, right. I actually just have been buying um, this year uh, pistachio cream, like pistachio butter, like pure like peanut butter but made from pistachios oh. and it's like so expensive so it's like 13 euros for a small jar which oh, is like yeah. basically 20 bucks yeah but i'm like i stood there like contemplating in the shop whether i should buy it and i was like yeah yeah i should yeah. buy it like and i'm just gonna eat it with a spoon and yeah. i have been like sometimes i put it on stuff but mostly i just want the whole experience in my mouth so mm-hmm. yeah but like yeah. you know I, I can't i can't buy it every time i go to the shop i've got to be like you know what this is probably like three meals worth of spending. So you just need to settle down. But it's so good. I, I feel like decadent when I eat pistachio butter. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be like... Out of the jar. It's take ages to make it though. That, How many pistachios? That sounds like a bit of a... I know. It's probably like thousands. I feel like a bit of a rich flex from me, really. I really? eat pistachio No, it's butter. a national champ. Women cycling, women cycling is going well. <laughs> hey, actually, speak of that, I was going to show you something. One sec. The listeners, I can just see a blurry screen as we speak, but I'll uh, I'll react with excitement. It's shortly. blurred. It's blurred. Oh, here he is. My um my Woody's in the background. But OG okay. listeners, who are obviously listening now, they'll remember I gave away some peanut butter uh, in season one, and it was thanks to our sponsor, Nutter Butter. Um, got oh, get out! And I still have some tubs left. Look at the size of these puppies. Hang on. That's that elite. Is- so yeah, he does it in WA, which is sad for everyone else. But I have quite a lot of them. A left. Lo- you're you're rich. You're I'm, actually rich. You're, this is like a hundred bucks. Gone are the gone are the days of saying paid paid in peanuts. It's like I that's fine to be paid in peanuts. <laughs> Look at that. Babe, that's amazing. I the pistachio though, I didn't even know that was. I mean, I've seen almond. I've seen another nut, but not pistachio. That's. I mean, if you go to the US, like you can get everything nuts made into everything again which is expensive and delicious but yeah 
But peanut butter, so G. It's good with jam. Put it on bread, bam, oh. off you go. Pre-training, pretty oh pre-training snack. Oh my god, yes, yeah. it's good. Um, okay, that was good. We covered some good stuff there, actually. Um, I'm yeah. sure, I love, we love good the food snack chat. Food chat's good. And yeah, everyone needs food, so it's relatable. Um, That's true. So I've got a question. Um, Trek, Trek is one of my favorite teams, right? And it's because. Uh, one, I think they're really good on social media. So the team there are great. But also shout out to Amy. Amy's a social media. Loves a lot of Amy, social media. She's very legend. Yeah. Love you, Amy. Um but Trek have always been like the team that in the women's side of the sport to be like the most, I don't know, like the most forward, you know, uh, like they're what a mm. women's cycling team should be at the most earliest days, right? You know, when they had the men's team and then they had the women's team and everything was um, you know, it was all trained together at the training camps at the start. And um, of course, with Lizzie Dignan, uh having her kids while she's on trek and now with Ellen mm-hmm. Van Dyke, super cool. You know, that was real firsts. And um, I wondered, if, are there other teams in the Women's World Tour um, or outside the World Tour as well that you've seen that are, uh, I guess, like good examples of, um, you know, they're doing things that are good examples of what, the women's top flight should be doing you know is anyone else sort of on that sort of similar level yeah. to the trek i mean i would say like yes trek has been super like i don't feel like lesser to the men's team i don't feel like a sideshow on trek you just feel like you're you're on trek and you're one of the riders and you have pretty much access to the exact same resources yeah. so and obviously yeah it had the budget in the first place to step up and say we're going to pay the women the same as the men's minimum wage which was huge yeah. and then yeah a lot of other teams followed suit i think just because trek is such a big company in business like that kind of attitude trickles into like trek factory racing on the mountain bike like mm-hmm. i think working at trek in um the united states also has a very similar culture with like its female employees and stuff um yeah. or non-binary employees or like they're just ahead of the game right Mm. Um, my experience on FDG is the only other team I can really fight for, also Tibco, where there were women's teams on their own, um, completely separate to any men's team, which mm. in itself is a challenge because you're kind of like, you know, pushing shit uphill. Yeah. Because there wasn't already like infrastructure in place. Whereas if you become part of a men's team, well, yes, you already have a lot of infrastructure in place with behind it. Mm. So I would have to commend teams like SD Works, like they're the most dominant women's team and they've never been attached to a men's team. Like they've really forged the path. They hire the best riders. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but they seem to train super hard, um, you know, be really well resourced and they win a lot of races. So on FDG, um, Stefan Delcourt, the manager and the team owner, I think he actually kind of inherited the team from his wife's dad who started the team for her and so she used to race on the team so it was really a way to be like there's not an opportunity for like young French riders or female French riders to make this a career mm. so I have to commend that from a totally different perspective like they had to kind of start from the ground up and you know build up over the years and from what I understand um the Groupama FDG men's team have not been interested or were not interested in women's cycling, mostly because of the um, t- the team owner, Mark Matteo, from what I've heard, is uh, yeah. pretty sexist. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, in really traditionally male sports and old men aren't interested in women's sports until it's becoming lucrative now. But, yeah, so I would say that, like, when I was on FDG, like, you can really see there's a very, very personal 
passion and personal mission from Stefan and the other people to to better women's sports and give us the opportunities and allow us to be as professional as possible. And you really, really feel that when you're on that team. Like, you know, Stefan's like life mission is to increase the visibility of women's cycling in France. And so, yeah, I would say there's a lot of teams out there like that who on their own accord have have pushed back against the status quo to be like, we want to elevate women's cycling. And Linda Jackson on Chipco was the same. Like it's one of the longest running women's, cycling teams I think mm-hmm. ever and she's she went out and got the sponsors and she started the team and yes like you're very under resourced and underpaid at the beginning but it's like you can see now that I mean from where FDG was as like a literally like a, a club team to where it is now one of the best world tour teams in the world that's all purely from like a couple of people's mm. desire to to bring it up so di- different to Trek in that sense but I do think as a wider company, Trek has the resources and ability to be like, we're doing it. It's happening. Like, yeah. it's kind of like the women's AFL. Like, I think that, you know, there's like no groundwork there. Yeah. Like, there's when girls got kicked out of Auskick as soon as they hit puberty. So then I was like, well, what now? Yeah. And <clears throat> someone's just been like, we're making it. What's happening? Like, it's going to be, it's going to be nonlinear. It's going to be hard. Yeah. And it's not going to be equal to the men straight away. But like, if not now, when? If not just being like we're raising the minimum wage, all the girls are getting paid well. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you just have to take that action sometimes. So that's mm. my long-winded answer. Mm, no, that's a good one. Yeah, and uh, I think the women's. It's funny you bring the women's AFL up. AFLW is like, you know, they lose that bottom line of of the the young girls coming and playing Auskick and then playing at a junior mm. level. Above that, they'll have now they'll have the the stars that are on TV that they can watch and, you know, inspire the young generation to, oh, dad, I want to, you know, mum, I want to go play Auskick or, um, you know. 100%. Uh, like that representation matters so much. And like, you don't, I don't think you really realise it until you experience it. Like I certainly used to like, you know, for, for example, if I was flipping through like a motocross magazine, I went through a very brief phase of Crossy Demons fanship when I was like, fandom ship <laughs> when I was young. Yeah. And yeah, you find like one girl who's not like a model who's yeah. actually riding a motorbike and you're like, oh, that's so cool. I'd like put it on my wall or like found out about one like female downhill rider. And just because you can see yourself, you can like, it's not just like, oh, that's like what big boys do or something. It's like, yeah. oh, I could do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it doesn't just go across gender. It grows across everything. Like if you can see someone else doing that, as well then it just gives you like ah oh, yeah mm-hmm. makes it real like i can also do that yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's room enough for everybody you know like i'm reading this book at the moment from a, a half american half korean author and she was a musician she is a musician and she realized the first time she saw the lead singer of the yeah yeah yes who's also a half korean woman and she was just like whoa like it's the first time that i saw someone like me doing what i want to do and yeah. succeeding but then she said she had this kind of like I don't know what they call it like the kind of scarcity fallacy where you're like oh there's already one half Korean woman doing it there's not enough room for me but it's like I also felt that like oh there's one girl working at the bike shop or there's already a girl on that team so you can't you can't be the token girl anymore but now it's like there is room enough for everyone there can be there will be many many female cyclists there will continue to be female cyclists they'll continue to be like MVPs like who are female there'll be you know people who are better than you worse than you like there's enough room like I can't imagine yeah like she mentioned in this book like 
a little white boy is like, I don't know, is there enough room for another little white boy to become a sports star? Like, of course there is, because that's how sport is. Like, anyway, that's, that's great. That's a good That's talk. really good. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I take some of that. I might take some of that advice on myself. I really like that, actually. Um, yeah, like just yeah. there's, there's that, enough room for everyone. That, I think you shared a, a picture of it. Was it saying? There we go. Now, this one's called Crying in H Mart. I really like reading books um, from Korean authors for some reason. They're just good. Nice. Uh, and I also just bought a book called The Korean Vegan, which is a recipe book for me to try to create Korean vegan food. Oh, yes. It's delicious. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shout out. My Maybe favorite I'll go there one day. WA is called Double Rainbow, and it's uh, a vegan Korean restaurant, and it's off its head. No way. But they Get do these bands. now. Oh, they do these bow buns that are just, they're off their head. They're amazing. It's um, <laughs> back to food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Pivot. Tour de France is on right now. Mm-hmm. Men's, women's is coming up soon, which is super exciting mm-hmm. um, as well. Um, back to back. It's just this whole month makes winter. Very in cool. Australia bearable. But um, do you watch races that you're not racing? Like, are you watching? Yeah, Tour de France. Jerry's on TV right now. You I watch a lot of races. Yeah. yeah. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of cycling. It's a cool sport. And, like, because I haven't been in the sport since I was very young, I learn a lot from watching races. Mm. It's even if you watch back your own races and you're like, yeah, I was, like, 10th wheel going to that corner. And then you watch your race, you're like, oh, I wasn't actually. <laughs> I was pretty far <laughs> back. <laughs> or, like, no, I didn't hit the front then. And then you're like, oh, I was in the front a bit too early. But yeah. anyway, it's good watching the races and understanding the tactics it's it's obviously also frustrating because you're like if i was there i would be doing this but yeah Yeah. (laughs) i love watching races it's it's so good like to come home from training and just like sit on the couch and watch bike racing um and like when we're i'm not racing the giro obviously because i was sick yeah but it's kind of cool doing a stage at the giro and then like coming home back to the hotel on the massage table and having the tour on that's like a bit more motivated to them the next day. You're like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's actually really motivating. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Uh, the first, uh, the the prologue of the first TT, um, obviously that got cancelled because it was like torrential rain. But that, yeah, that just looked crazy. I saw, I didn't see it live <laughs> on TV, but I saw the um, the videos on like Twitter and stuff of, of uh, yeah, the woman riding through yeah. the epic water. But like, Jeez, I mean, I don't know. What did you think when you saw those scenes? Like, would you? How would you feel if you were rolling out into the into the? Oh, it sucks. Like, I mean, you got to think about like rider safety and if you can do the sport. Like, yeah. the roads looked like mossy as well. Like, there's like these green patches on the road. So yeah, I mean, obviously, like almost every second person crashed, and it was if you can't see the road in front of you due to water then that's just dangerous like i've been another race now the tour of scotland in 2019 where they cancelled the race halfway through stage two because it was so much rain and like riding in the rain is fine like water doesn't injure you but not being able to see the road in front of you due to water that's dangerous mm-hmm. and it's dangerous for the cars and your reaction times even if you react quickly the consequences are worse So I think it's very fair that they cancelled it, but I do definitely feel for all the girls who already went out and raced and crashed and then to have no result or to push yourself or to be nervous and then do it. But I think that in the women's peloton, there is a lot of expectation that like the Giro is crazy, anything can happen. 
and it's like in cycling in general like sometimes you have neutralizations or weather conditions that you just could not have anticipated and so you can't sit there getting angry at the weather like you can get angry to a degree at the organization for mm. um if it, if it puts the race ahead or not but yeah it looked chaotic and I'm, I'm glad that less no more people crashed and no one was seriously injured yeah um, that's the only positive about crashing in the rain is that you do slide yeah, yeah aquaplane a bit like a little less road aquaplane. rash yeah a little less road yeah, rash but i yeah. i can tell you now i would have been taking those corners so goddamn slowly because <laughs> i've crashed a lot this year so i'm, I'm a yeah. bit scared at the moment but yes yeah, yeah it, is, it is like that does it take like when you have a, a bad crash especially one maybe you weren't expecting or um mm. uh, getting that like you know um I don't know what's the word like you know getting that confidence back just on your <laughs> handling and stuff like how do you get it back you just you just got to go out there and ride more yeah. like oh, i don't know that's a good question you, don't you can't force know it. when it comes back either no you can't force it and i've had a, I've a lot of time reckoning with this so when i crashed in ghent wevelgum i actually didn't feel afraid when i went back into the peloton at all because nice. it was so unexpected I just got taken out from like, I think it was the side or behind. Mm. And the next thing I knew, I was just sliding my head on the ground. I had no clue how it happened until I watched the video. So yeah. I actually think it was almost better that I was just like, crash out, knocked out, ambulance, then like didn't have yeah. time to be scared. Yeah. Whereas if you sometimes see it coming and then you still can't do anything about it, you have time to have that fear and watch it all unfold and those images flash through your mind of, oh of crashing and that's almost worse. Yeah. Um, but it, it does just take like, First of all, it's totally normal to have a big crash and then be fearful afterwards. Like yeah. that is your body being like, hey, we don't want this to happen again. A, because you're probably still recovering or B, because it hurt a lot. Like, so you kind of, that, that acceptance is the first step of like, yeah, I might be a bit more tentative and that's okay. Just like, that's where you're at. Yeah. Um, and then it is just like, yeah, practicing and just time and back in the peloton because you, you did have those skills once. They're not gone anywhere. Yeah. Um, but for me, sometimes I find this interesting phenomenon that happens with a lot of riders that for whatever reason, and it could be following a crash or could be following like mental stress or yeah, yeah. anything where you just become really bad at descending or like you mm -hmm. become really tentative on corners. And I've spoken to a lot of other riders about it where I'm like, I'm just not, I'm just not myself at the moment descending and I'm scared. And the more scared you are, like, honestly, the more likely you are to crash. Definitely. The more slow and stiff you are uh -huh. and hesitant, you know? And sometimes you're just like, why? And oftentimes I feel like it is when you are going through maybe some uh, like mental health issues or you are stressed at home or you're tired where your body is naturally trying to protect you. It's like, we don't need more stress and trauma. Mm -hmm. Like going down a hill at 80 Ks an hour is not natural. Yeah. And yes, there is a huge risk involved, which you all know. So I think that you just have to give it time. And when I am on a descent now, I just try to be like, relax, like enjoy it, like enjoy the feeling. Um, mm. It's it's fun going down a hill. Like you don't have to yeah. pedal and get to go around fast corners. But yeah, it, I'm definitely like, yeah, a little bit more tentative at the moment. Whereas in the past, sometimes I just have zero fear going down hills. Mm. Um, but I'm also older, so that could contribute. <laughs> um yeah, and you just have to give it time and it'll come back. And mm. I just say that to other riders and other riders have said it to me. And the other thing that uh, Sarah Roy actually helped me with was when I was I had this period a few years ago where I was like, I'm just being scared on corners. And she's like, what well, you have this image in your mind of like crashing, right? Like you kind of have these 
intrusive thoughts of like going in the corner and you can envision yourself flying off the edge or smashing into the ground or Mm -hmm. watching everyone crash in front of you. But you kind of have to switch that, like switch the channel in your head and be like, what if I make it through really well? And I could envision me coming through this corner and exiting really fast and just kind of like trying to replace that image with, yeah, it's, it's hard, Mm -hmm. but you just have to try to replace that image with this image of succeeding. It's kind of like being like, what if everything goes wrong? And you're like, but what if everything goes right? Nice. And so I try to engage that when I can to be like, imagine myself just getting through a corner just fine rather than like ending up in a huge crash. <laughs> mm, that's great yeah. advice. That is terrific Again. advice. I love that. That speaks to one of my favorite <laughs> quotes I've ever heard was uh, this, um, there's a bodybuilder actually, and uh, mm. got his name, Kai something. He was a big bodybuilder dude, but he said thoughts become things. And um, that obviously mm. works both ways, you know, but yeah, you, you, you can positively spin something or, or think it. And It's true. Yeah. I really yeah, like and I'm not like here to be like, just think positive or like change your thoughts because like it, that's pretty hard to do. Yeah. But yeah. it's more like accept that you're scared, like recognize that you're scared, allow it to be there and then maybe wonder why. Like why am I scared at the moment? Like they say like investigate. It's kind of like a Buddhist saying like mm. recognize, allow, investigate, nurture. It's from Tara Brack a Buddhist teacher who I've been listening to since like, I don't know, maybe 10 years. And right. it's like, recognize, okay, I'm, I'm a bit scared at the moment. Allow it. It's okay to be scared. Like I'm not trying to resist it. And then investigate. You're like, Hmm, why could I be scared? Is it cause I've had a massive crash? Am I a bit on edge emotionally at the moment anyway? Um, have I witnessed a really big crash? And then nurture is like, okay, so how can we work with this? Like envision yourself getting through the corner well or mm. not like, not envisioning yourself crashing and just whatever it takes for you, whether it's going to a skills lesson to get your confidence back or just, you know, like they do in mountain biking, going out and sessioning a corner on the road until mm, you feel mm. that kind of calm, comfortable feeling again. So I like that saying rain a lot um, from Tara Brack. So, mm. and like, yeah, that thoughts become things is kind of a shortened version of another Buddhist saying. I'm not Buddhist, but I, I rate the philosophy. So. Wow. Brody, you yeah. need to be on, when when cycling's done, you need to be on a, a professional sporting team. That's what I think. In some sort of capacity, you'd be an absolute <laughs> asset for any like professional uh, women's sporting team for sure. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, that'd be fun. I can imagine myself working in sport. Like, yeah. I like sport. People are like, what are you going to do when you retire? I'm like, probably still ride bikes and work in the industry. I don't know if you yeah. like it enough. Like, why yeah. not? We'll make it happen. Um, well, let's get into the questions. Let's get into the questions. So there's some good ones. They're still coming in, my lord. Okay. Oh, really? How good. This is yeah. exciting. This yeah. is like a quiz show. <laughs> yeah, it is like a quiz show. Yeah. Oh, it's because you shared it. I see now. Right. So we'll start. We'll go with a little bit of a mix. Um, okay. Well, this is interesting. We just touched on it then, kind of. But Troy, Colette, he says, mm. if you weren't a cyclist, what would you be? What would be your working? Firefighter. Oh, that's, that's good. what I'd be. Yeah. 100%. I started working towards it um, when I was quite young, uh, like still in high school. I was in the like rural fire service at Mount Nebo because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, yep, I'm going to go apply for the fire service. And yeah, but then I was a bit too young. I didn't have my license yet. So then I was yeah. like, all right, I'll just go to uni and kill time, like with an arts degree, which is kind of what arts degrees do. <laughs> Um, but anyway, uh, and then wow. I got into cycling through uni and working in a bike shop, and then that was the then then here I am. So yeah. I'd still really 
like to be a firefighter one day. And mm. actually my teammate Loretta Hansen, I asked her the same question and she said she'd love to be a firefighter too. So oh, let's I could imagine her in the in the MSB. It'd be sick. I need Definitely. to build some upper body strength. Like look yeah. at my arms. I need, <laughs> I need to do uh, more push-ups. <laughs> that shows. Looks all right. Um, fire, I mean, there was another cyclist who went to a fire, Tyler Farrar, US guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, a he was a yeah. nutcase in a sprint, but he wouldn't he would be running into the house while it was on fire for sure. That guy, but yeah, he, he could rescue me. That'd be fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Richard says, "Oh, okay. Well, this is interesting. Sometimes it doesn't get the answer that maybe everyone hopes they will get, because uh, I've mm-hmm. asked this quite a few times. Um, but what's your what is the best thing you could possibly get inside a trek or little trek musette these days?" Uh, so realistically, what's in musettes is gels and carbohydrate mix in a bitten. Mm-hmm. So that's not that exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, usually there's a bunch of mix with up to 80 grams in a bitten um, and mm-hmm. gels. So not that exciting. Yeah. However, we do oh. have delicious rice cakes made by our swannies. Uh, I personally like speculoos rice cake, Oreo rice cake. Mm. Um, and actually, yeah, I mean, I guess in the Tour de France and probably in yeah, in like the men's Tour de France where they ride for many, many hours for many, many weeks, they get actual food on some stages. So you'd have to ask a male cyclist about that question. Mm. Although my boyfriend Dan was in one of his first Catalan, local Catalan races, he went back to the car. I love this story. To ask for carbs. <laughs> and they gave him a bocadillo with cheese. Which is like <laughs> a bread roll with cheese. And I, was like, <laughs> I love it. It's so good. There's actually a video of it too. It's so wholesome. That is gold. Um, yeah. I mean, sometimes you do want salty stuff, but normally after the race, I want I want salt. Did you play? Um, yeah. Did you did you play Swanee for Dan when he was at uh, for his road race at Worlds? Uh, I helped him do the like yeah the warm up and biddens and all that kind of stuff. I've been Swanee for him at some gravel races, which nice. is quite stressful and fun. Um, so it gives me gives me a lot of um, respect. Sorry, yeah. I get I give a lot of respect. I said I'm watching this sentence to soigneurs or assistants yeah. as they call them in France these days. What do um, they call them in France? Usually assistants. Oh, assistant. Yes, the re- cool. assistant. The reason, from what I've learned, I'm like, isn't soigneur like a French word? Like, why don't they call them soignees? And it's because back in the day before I was born and or whatever, when they were like, there was doping involved in cycling. Oh, yeah. um, the Swanyers would be the ones to like administer oh, the drugs, shit. I guess. I and so that then obviously they became quite negatively associated with, you know, doping. Mm-hmm. So then I think in an attempt to kind of take that association away and, you know, we're away from that era now um, that, yeah, assistant is better than Swanyer. So they don't, so they mm-hmm. don't seem like little drug lords. Yeah, yeah, no, it's weird. interesting no, fact. It is a good fact, though. Yeah, I like that. But I mean, uh, I still say Swannies, and I think other teams still say Swannies. It's just like must have been a thing in France at the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Georgie Howe, legend, certified legend. Um, I'm already laughing. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, Georgie. The mullet's looking magnificent, by the way. Um, it's getting ready for the TDF, but she says. <laughs> Little kit or Segafredo kit, which will be the better national champs jersey? 
Well, obviously, I have to say the Lidl kid because Lidl have just injected a bunch of money into the team that I race for. So, yeah. <laughs> at the same time, I do shop at Lidl frequently. So it's weird because in the past I've been like, oh, I really wish that I was on the team with a supermarket sponsor <laughs> so I could go to the shop and yeah. like get a discount. So probably I would say the uh, Lidl Trek kit so then yes. I can waltz into Lidl um, on my way home from training, flex my national champ Lidl kit yep. and uh, do my shopping there. So hopefully um, hopefully it gets me some discounts. I don't know. But I actually haven't seen it yet, but I'm imagining it'll be very bright mm. uh, like the team kit already is and yeah. probably the fact that there's yellow on my kit already might make it look quite good. So. Coming to a Lidl near you, you'll yes. see me. <laughs> Go Lidl. Yeah. Is it Lidl? Is that yes. Lidl. Okay. Uh, that's how I say it. I think that's like the pronunciation yeah. of, yeah, Lidl. That's how is, I would say it. Now, I'm getting, I don't know if, well, I'm thinking in my head, you can correct me now, but Lidl has the same colours kind of as Aldi. Are they the same? Do you know what No. Aldi? Aldi's like blue. Oh, maybe there's different types of Aldi's. There's like. Different. There's two kind of different Aldis in, in a lot of now. European countries. The Aldi it's like logo, blue and yeah, like dark blue. Lidl's oh, like the close. orange. They like, are the Lidl. The Aldi here is like blue, dark blue, and white. Yeah. So okay. I don't know. The Lidl one is like the Andorran flag. So. Oh. That's what I think of when I see it. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, if anyone, yeah. if you're listening, look, at, I just Googled Aldi and Lidl and I'm looking at them side by side and the colours are similar. But okay, so go Lidl. You, you must get a discount. Yeah, the produce is better. The, the, must... the produce is better at Lidl. I've always shopped. I mean, there's yeah, an Aldi and Lidl like, next to each other here and I, ch- I, choose, I choose Lidl. Yeah. Aldi's for like when you want a $100 lawnmower, you know, that's... That's true. Yeah. That's true. I remember buying a pedal spanner from uh, Aldi one time. And, like, don't get me wrong, budget <laughs> supermarkets are great. But I was packing desperately, like, after work to go to this, like, an Enduro National Series in, um, oh, yeah. in Canberra. Yeah, cool. And I was trying to get my pedals off with this pedal spanner. And, like, they were so tight. And, I was, and it was what, like when you had to take your pedals off to pack your bike. Oh, yeah. And I was like, try, and the pedal spanner just snapped in two. And I was like, oh, God. Like I literally can't go to this race unless I can put my bike in this bag, which means I get off the pedals. Um, and so eventually I like called my dad. I'm like, can you drive from, you know, wherever you live far away, bring me a 15 mil spanner so I can get off. <laughs> I was like the only one I had and we're there actually like, man, it was stressful. But so I never really went for the the Aldi bike tools again. Yeah. They also made After an ergo experience. Once. A magnetic ergo. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. bold. But I okay. Remember. I mean, hey. Making cycling accessible. <laughs> That's right. I remember one of my uh, juniors that I was coaching at the time, uh, shout out Fraser, he'd broken his arm. <laughs> so we were doing some ergo mm-hmm. sessions and he had the Aldi trainer and, um, you know, just it was 30 bucks, I think. And oh, we I had <laughs> the resistance on it that had a tiny flywheel. The resistance on it just wasn't enough. So I had to like go on. I was on the floor while this 14-year-old kid's smashing his ergo and I had to physically push the, the roller <laughs> into the wheel. We put his, his tyres down and then we put, I was pushing into it during his, like, this, the hard sets that he was doing because <laughs> it just didn't have enough resistance. So, oh, yeah, man. you got to make That's, it happen, right? It's worth paying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I back it. I think at, at one point I would have been like, this is a great, great value. Um, but I think 
quality is where it's at these yes. days, especially for things that involve yeah. high intensity exercise. And the best trainer yeah. out there is the Zwift Hub. So go Lidl. Next question, Geordie, <laughs> legend. We can't wait to see you the Tour de France. Jess Allen said you're in the team, so um, I think she did anyway. Well, fantastic. Go, Georgie. Ooh, she knows um, more than I do. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had we had a little France um, Tour de France presentation here in Perth with the the the, the oh. school French school Alliance France something. Cute. And, um, we had Jess on, legend, people's champ, and uh, and she sort of went through the um, the teams, which is cool. So shout out Jess Allen. Everyone loves Jess. Right on. We love Jess. Jess makes some of the best food in the world back to our food thing. Like Yes. When I had COVID the first time, she brought me this. She came to my house and delivered it remotely through my window. Oh. Juice and cookies. And, like, I was like, who are you? You're just yeah. a, a gift. A gift. Yeah. She's gift. awesome. Jess is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, back to the question. Sorry, we're getting yes. off topic. Questions. Go, go, go. Jack Owen Bennett. Mr. Jack. Really loved his stuff do last year. Do I know year. a Jack Bennett? With yeah, you, I do. Yeah, <laughs> with Caleb Ewan last year, I was I saw that pop up and I was like, oh, that's right. Last year he was with Caleb doing making all his yeah. reels for the tour. He said, "There's two questions. Who's the best housemate you ever had?" I sense there's a joke inside joke here. And <laughs> where is the best acai bowl location? Oh, okay. Well, to be honest, I lived with Jack Bennett for a few years, and really? it was a very good time. It was kind of how the ZCC, the Zetland Cycling Club, started. Uh, me, Dan, and Jack lived together in an apartment in Zetland, and we'd get up every morning, go do the bunch ride together, um, often finish with an acai bowl at the Fruitologist in Bondi, which, in my opinion, is the best acai bowl. Um, and, yeah, it was just super fun. We were just a house of, like, I mean, I've lived with a lot of really great people, like Ali Denham was a great housemate as well, and, yeah. Um, just bike people because you all kind of have the same schedule and same passion and it yeah. doesn't matter if you're getting around in your kid or your bike's yeah. in the hallway. Like, <laughs> so, yeah. Jack, Jack, it was very fun to live with you and you need to come visit us in Girona. Stat, because there's also good acai bowls here. So get over Let's here. Let's go, mate. Let's go, Jack. Come on. Get over there. Um, Ants instance. Oh, this is good. Are you glad? Yeah, that's Anthony Shippard. Anthony okay, Shippard. Anthony. Okay, Shippard, the big ship. HMA, HMA, Shippy. Shippy. Yeah. Um, are you glad Bonello finally has a coach? And will this jeopardize <laughs> your, your position as best cyclist in the household? Wow. Oh, tough question. Um, I'm very pleased that Dan Bonello has a coach um, <laughs> because he is aiming to go to the World Championships again for Malta. And he is a man who has somehow retained crazy strength at cycling his whole life without any sort of formal guidance or data or anything. Um, And finally, yeah, he's employed Dennis Van Linden, um, a friend and a coach here to help him have some, yeah, do some specifics. And it's pretty cool. It is really cool to see like showing him training peaks and then just like asking what he's doing and, yeah, I mean, at the moment, my, I haven't been on my bike for four days and I'm just really, because I'm recovering from this illness, I'm feeling like a big slob and he's the motivated athlete out there filling his bibbins with carbs and ticking boxes. So he's holding the fort for professional athlete at the moment. But um, nice. no, I think it's a good thing. I think on, a, on another note, a lot of people do believe that coaches are only if you're really, really serious or if you're like 
going to be a professional rider, but like a coach is there to work for you and help you fit in, you know, cycling or whatever sport you're doing into your daily life. And everyone's daily life looks different, even if you're a pro. Yeah. And just taking away the guesswork, like you didn't have to be like, oh, should I ride today? Oh, how long should I ride for? Or should I ride hard or not? It's just like, they're a scientist usually. Mm -hmm. This is what they love to do. And they will adapt a program that will work to your strengths and weaknesses. And then you just have to go and do it. And yeah, like, I think it's really, really positive because then you can kind of relax a bit and focus on other stuff like Dan works full time so that he's not a professional athlete, but he has a flexible job. So yeah, it's, it's really cool to see that. And um, yes, I would say that if you haven't got a coach and you're thinking about it, just try it. Cause then if it doesn't work for you or you can use it for a coach for a short period of time towards a specific event, and then you can go back to riding for, you know, leisure or fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think it's cool that. to answer yeah, your question, Shippy. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, Shippy. That's a good, it's a very good advice. You know, you might, it might not be for mm. a racing thing. It might be complete a fondo or anything yeah. like and, that. And you see, your, see your numbers improve. Some yeah. people just love to set a goal of their, in, you know, power goal and then see themselves improve and their fitness yeah. go up. Like, yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, self improvement yeah. is fantastic. It makes you feel good, and it um gives yeah. you a real, yeah real purpose outside of you know maybe career goals or life goals. That's yeah, I like it. Um, way to field, way to field. This must be another inside look because he says, "Who can tighten uh, a bottom bracket tighter than Rico Levenford?" Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Scott. Scott Whitfield, I worked with him at the very first bike shop I worked at, um, Ashgrove Cycles, which is now Giant Ashgrove. And Rico Levinson was the mechanic there. And they both taught me who I literally knew how to do nothing except for like wipe down top tubes. Um, (laughs) They taught me a lot about bicycles. And yes, Rico could tighten the bottom bracket very hard. But I would say uh, Alex Malone is your your guy, according to Dan. Alex (laughs) Malone. He's your guy. He works for for Bond. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was good. I remember Scott Whitfield once, um, he used to play pranks on me. I was like the kind of apprentice. And so one time he filled my BMX tires with water and I didn't know. And he'd always put like bearings in my handlebars and stuff like that. And I was like too dumb to figure out what was going on. Like, what is this noise? And I was riding my BMX home and uh, I like went up a gutter or something. And then just my like, yeah, tires absolutely exploded with water. And I walked home and I was like, what is going on? Wow. And I told him, I figured it out eventually the next day. And of course, he just found it hilarious. So, you know, <laughs> pick on the apprentice. Doesn't matter your gender, you still get picked on. <laughs> yeah, stitched up. Like the water, yeah, that's funny. It reminds me of how um, uh, Michael Freeberg started the uh, Air Hub, you know, that device that he made. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The Air Hub, for everyone listening, check it out. It's actually a fantastic training tool. But it's like an electromagnetic front wheel. So the hub is electromagnetic braking device, and it basically breaks a certain amount of watts. Um, you can actually choose. So you can actually choose up to 100 watts. It connects to the app. Is that right? Add 50 watts on top of whatever I'm doing. Or you can set it to, I don't know, every, every, every kilometer past 30 kilometers, it goes up X amount anyway. He created this device because he, when he would come back from Europe to come and train um, to WA, he kind of was too fast for everyone. You know, like he wanted, he wanted to ride with his friends, so he's like, I need to like slow myself down and make things harder for me. And one of the things he did was fill his tubes with water, 
And no way. Yeah, it's one of your Maybe I should training. do that to Dan. Good, yeah. good, good. Uh, short of getting an air hub, I will be filling his tube uh, yeah. with water. Do Sorry that. to Dan's um, coach. That's a great tool. But anyway, so you can get the air hub and you can go training with someone and they you can be doing 25Ks an hour on a bike path, but one guy's like, little well, girl's punching out 400 watts, like burning. And um, yeah, good good tool. And it's Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I remember um, learning about the air hub and I knew some people that had it and they absolutely rated it. So mm. can recommend. It's like it's like an ergo on the road, really. Best of both worlds. 100% it is, yeah. So shout out um, Mr. Michaels. Now cyclic now, so you guys can do the math there. That's another great product. Uh, so, and another national champion. Shout out Freebird. Um, oh, this is a good one. Right. Megan, my better half. She's now gone to bed, but she said I can wake her up for the finish of tonight's stage, which should be in about two and a half hours. <laughs> last 5K, very, very enjoyable. Um, can't wait for that. She says, "This is I think this is the best question. She goes, "What? how has your relationship changed since turning, how has your relationship with cycling changed since turning professional? I think the answer is in the question. One that becomes your profession, you have to treat it differently. And you have to, like, I wouldn't just say, oh, it's just a job because I still have a huge joy in just riding my bike. Yeah. Um, but there are times where, yeah, you want to ride with your friends and go out and shred or whatever. And you, like, before I was professional, like, I could do whatever I wanted with my cycling. If I wanted to do that, I would. Yeah. And now if, if you're looking towards bigger goals and your role in the team and you have to be like, no, I need to go do this session or I actually have to have a rest day today and that's part of my job, even if you don't feel like it. Mm. So I would say that's the biggest change is that you do have to be a bit more responsible about your managing your your body and your load and your other outside commitments. Like I'm certainly not someone who's like a hermit sitting inside like, no, I've got to train every day and be really serious. Like I do enjoy my training and I work with my coach to make sure I still get that kind of newness and fun and enjoyment. Um, but yeah, I also think the other thing that's changed is that it doesn't feel so finite, like all or nothing. Like if you, before I was professional, kind of every race felt like an opportunity to get noticed or to be like, yeah. if I don't do this, then my world's going to come crumbling. Like I'd miss one event and just be like, everything's over. Whereas now, like this year I've missed, I would say I've missed all of my goal races so far, short yeah. of nationals. Yeah. And, um, you just have to be like, okay, well I need to adapt and like it will be okay i will come back like i can yeah i can come back to see peak fitness at another time and i have all the resources around me to do so mm. that's the other thing like you do you do have access to all the resources so you need to use them mm. but yeah i still really enjoy it it's and i think the day that i stop enjoying it, it would be the day that i would stop racing like yeah. pr- long term like certainly there's some times where i'm like I'm not having a good time, but yeah. that's life. So yeah. that's a very, very good question. So, yes, yeah. thank you very much. Mm, that is a great <coughs> question. Uh, last, we'll do the last one. There's a few more, but we'll do the last one here. Um, James Tindall's turning 30 this weekend. Can't wait for that. Uh, what do you think of the Giro Donna being on the same time as the Tour de France, men's Tour de France? What do you think about that? It shouldn't be on a different date. That would be great. Oh, They're changing yeah, the I think, I think, I think Yeah, I think it kind of sucks for viewers because obviously the Tour de France is the biggest cycling event in the world. Yeah. So all the like 
hype and media and attention is going to be on the Tour de France. The Giro Donna has done well the last couple of years to like raise its profile a bit, but like mm. it just doesn't have the same. I mean, this year, unfortunately, the race almost didn't happen. Yeah. And so you don't have the kind of hype and the teams and the stages to discuss around it. It's good for me because I get to watch it. After, you know, if I am racing, like I said before, the Giro, then I can go and watch the yeah, yeah. But I believe that next year the organization's changing to mm. RCS, which is the organizer of the men's Giro. So it will be at a different time of year. Mm. closer to the men's Giro, kind of like the tour is. Oh, that'd be good, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, and at the same time, a lot of the top riders who are aiming for the Tour de France are now opting out of the Giro so they can mm. have a controlled training environment going towards the Tour. Yeah. Not everyone, like for some people, doing the Giro is a really good preparation for the Tour. Yeah. For others, it's not. So, mm. yeah, I don't know. It kind of sucks because it's never going to get all the attention it deserves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, um, yeah, hopefully next year it does uh, change dates. It'd be good to see on the back of the men's duo, just like the women's tourage, because it's cool. And then we get double the amount of racing and we can see Animate going full nuke mode uh, on the, yeah. in the World Champs jersey. Oh, my Lord. Like, love that. Very impressive. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's very, funny. very impressive. Anna Meeks rolling, uh, like in the Giro, preparing for obviously she's going to be going to the tour as well and going crazy on the hills, um, winning that stage. That was awesome. And then another superstar, mm. Lotta Kopecky, she's out there racing Belgian Kermises in the under 19, under 23 men. Absolutely love wow. Some of the some of my That's friends so cool. WA are actually racing against her and like finishing on the podium. No way. There and I'm like, Holy shit! Imagine if you're racing with Lotta Kopecky in the national champs jersey, like that's that sick. is cool. I think what what she's done for Belgian women's cycling as a result of just being really, really good, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. been amazing. I mean, yeah, I think Belgium has produced so many good male cyclists, and there is so much good racing in Belgium. It's it's really cool. Like she's just so impressive. Like there's those athletes out there. Like yes, she's my competitor but you you still can't help just be like impressed mm-hmm. when they win yeah and what, what they can do so yeah, yeah i mean it's like that i mean again you have to be like yeah you compare yourself to a degree but you've also got to be like that's awesome yeah yeah bloody <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, i'm not going to be a lot of kopecky tomorrow i'm only ever going to be Brody chapman <laughs> do whatever she can do at any given time <laughs> yeah well Brody, this is a great podcast and uh, yeah. I remember at TDU, we only had like, you know, you were getting pulled every d- different direction and uh, mm. we got our 15 minutes in, but, you know, you said, let's do another one later in the year. And I appreciate you saying yes, because it was really good um, and fun episode, I reckon. Yeah, for real. I really enjoy it. I mean, I obviously can talk a lot. Um, I often give long-winded answers, which you've just experienced. Um, and so that, fi- that 15 minutes we had, in TDU felt like ah, <laughs> like yeah just yeah. I've got more to say but I gotta keep it in because yeah yeah I gotta go um so I appreciate yeah give me the call I really liked everybody's questions and if anybody does have other questions you can always DM me slide into my DMs on Instagram like I'm more than happy to yeah. talk to people about questions or like even if I don't know the answer or I can recommend someone who does know the answer mm. um yeah I just think why not like that's what Instagram's for. It's kind of personal, but not personal at the same yeah. time. But no stupid questions. Otherwise, I will quite literally ignore your message. 
um yeah that's like yeah. another not thing for my fans do. only only real fans are coming in. i'm sure there's plenty of um well i know there's plenty of young uh under 19 under 17 uh australian women who are listening to this pod and i'm sure you've inspired them along the way so um if you need any advice so um, cool yeah there's yeah for real what, just the, the Australian under-19 current, current crop, a 17 is good too, but the, the under-19, the Australian team that's going to be going to Worlds track and road is elite, is elite. So um, We want to hear. That's, oh that's so Lord. good to hear. So track Worlds in uh, Colombia this year and Fun. the Aussie under-19 women's, seriously good. And then the road team. Wow, there's a couple in there in particular, very, very good cyclists. So there's a lot to look forward to um, coming up. That is so cool to hear. I mean, yeah. that's that's what you want to hear. Like, it is like that now where the riders are coming, becoming specialised a lot younger and younger and, like, I think in sport in general. Mm. So it's really nice to see that Australians have that opportunity and, like, if you are listening, you just got to keep on keeping on. Like, not everybody progresses at the same rate. That's one thing to remember. I mean, you see it in the men's peloton, like yeah. someone starts and then they're like a prodigy at 20 and then mm-hmm. someone else might start at 19 and not win their first race until they're 25 or 29, mm-hmm. like honestly. But if you love it and you want to do it, just just keep going. It's not it's not a linear progression, but it's progression nonetheless. That's, that's what I have to say. Wow. Wow. Love it. That's so good. Brody, legend, man. It was so good to uh, catch up and... Um... Yeah, hopefully the rest of the season, you know, trends in a positive direction. I'm sure it will. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to seeing you out there in the green and gold. Thank you. Green, gold and little logo. Go little. <laughs> Can't wait to do my shopping. I'm going to fly <laughs> over and just do a quick shop. <laughs> I do it. Thanks, Steve, for having me. Catch yeah. you See you, bro. Bye. All right, legends, that's another episode of the Press Room Podcast done and dusted. Thank you, Brody Chapman, absolute legend. That was one of the funnest podcasts I've done all year. I hope you guys enjoyed. Please leave a rating or review. Uh, Really helps the podcast, really helps me. Apple, you just scroll to the bottom and you hit the stars, write something funny. And on Spotify, it's easy. Just under the profile picture in the episode, you hit the stars and um, leave a a big fat five. That would be great. And, uh, yeah, hey, episode 75, while you're still here, I mean, the proper listeners are still going. Episode 75, it should be Andre Greipel, just waiting for one more email. He's confirmed the date with me. We just need to just confirm one more thing, and then we're good to go. We'll have the big gorilla on the podcast, um, the gentle giant. So that should be pretty cool. And, um, yeah, we might tee up a couple of special ones for the Tour de France Femmes as well. But who's winning tonight? It's Wednesday right now. No, it's Tuesday. A little bit of an easier Tour de France stage tonight, which is why I think either Cav or Wellsford are going to win. That's my tip. See you on the next episode, Legends. Bye-bye.